welcome to the We're All Fucked podcast hosted by me, Derry Owen. And me, Dan's Grace. This is a podcast designed to try and take a light-hearted take on the ridiculousness of society as we know it and wonder how we all find a way to carry on, even though we know deep down we're all fucked. Each episode, we'll be looking at a particular topic, having a laugh and a cry along the way, dragging along a few guests with us for the ride. Remember to rate us and subscribe so you never miss our rounds. Well, hello, Demi. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Oh, uh, you set me up for another moan. Uh, I've, got, <laughs> I've got what could only be described as a super cold. Oh, bless you. I was going to take the piss out of the way you said my name then, but knowing you've got a virus <laughs> inside That's the why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute beast. I've It's been sat in me for about a week. Oh. It's sitting in my lungs. I got a lot of snot coming out. And the interesting bit is I can't hear properly out of my right ear. <laughs> I was speaking with somebody today and I just asked them pardon too much. So I was just laughing along. They could have been abusing me. I don't know. <laughs> but it's been going on the house. So I'm just, uh, it's fine. It's not, you know, stop you from doing anything. It's, it's not monkeypox as far as. No, no, no. I've got no kind of uh, rough spots. And it's, not, uh, it's not the next variant of COVID. <laughs> I hope not. Like, the angle C, the angle C variant of the <laughs> 100% death rate, hopefully. Uh, and I'm also on kind of a three-ish day hangover. If you was oh, went out to Llangollen uh, on Friday night, and it got a bit leery, and uh, you know, it's one of those now. You're in your thirties; they they start like you know extending their lifespan. I, I I mean I I very very rarely drink, but I to have a three-day hangover, you must have drunk a fuckload. It was the vodka Red Bulls, and we've never done vodka Red Bulls since. Like, I think it was this one of those like fuels are out. Oh, you know, we're still twenty one. <laughs> Started struggling with the volume of lagers circa ten forty five. Yeah, feeling a bit tired because we've been up since they, you know, dawn dot because yeah. the kids. So I thought I know what gets through this <laughs> with limited side effects. <laughs> Not. You know, perfect at the moment. It was just what we need: tasty, sweet, give me a kick up the ass. And there in the morning, like noticing palpitations, like some sort of a, like a genital heart patient. So uh, terrific! Oh, yeah. oh, it was good. It was a good night. It was a good night. It was a good night in many ways. I had a takeaway burger though on the way home, and yeah. they cremated my bun. Oh. Number one, who bothers? To- Would you like your bun toasted? Like you're dribbling half one in the morning. <laughs> well, he probably didn't give a shit how you wanted your burger because you were pissed out of your face. Well, yeah, but why put it in a toaster? It's easier for him just to give me as is. I don't, I don't think about inspecting my bun before leaving the I, bloody takeaway. I might start doing that now. I mean, chances are it was probably a mouldy bun, and he was like, "Well, I've not got another bun to give him." No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, <laughs> there, there was mould, and he burned it. <laughs> oh, sugar. Don't make me laugh too much. Otherwise I'll start that's coughing. probably why you've been ill. For <laughs> Fuck it, that's not a cold. That's fucking food poisoning. <laughs> oh, moving swiftly on. S- streptococcus, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, don't. Anyway, Nothing uh, anyway. an alcohol-free Heineken cat's or... Yeah, so the topic of this week... How are you, by the way? Oh, yeah, who gives a shit about that? Who gives a shit? Who, who cares about that. Daniel? <laughs> I'm I'm not... Oh, yeah, we'll edit that massive blowing of nose out. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, sorry, it was me rubbing the mic. Sorry about that, it was this. Oh, Let's be careful, do that. Bit of nice ASMR there. <laughs> <laughs> There's... Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm grand, I'm grand. I've uh, just come back from... Monday, Monday night's always like a gym class night, and I felt like I was dying, but... I'm no longer doing exercise, so I feel a bit better. Um, still dying. Yeah, still dying. Ever yeah, so excruciating. <laughs> okay, so right, yeah. There's, topic, go for it. The topic of this week uh, is mental health. Oh shit, the bed. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it's kind of. I mean, not that I want us to kind of end on a you know on a death note or on a you know on a on a low note but i sort of felt like it's almost a uniting theme in some ways because you know the title is we're all fucked you know that's that's the name of the podcast and i wanted to kind of explore various topics because it connects to lots of different areas 
But one of the things that I really wanted to kind of hone in on is the extent to which our perception can influence the extent to which we directly experience the sensation of being fucked. <laughs> you are so good at taking a simple thing and making it complex. You're so good at that. Is it was that like saying that an intellectual is making something simple be complex and a genius <laughs> makes something complex. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah. I totally get what you mean. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's a bit harsh. No, 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 no. That's but, not harsh at all. That's not harsh. I mean, it taps very well into the mental topic of mental health. My, my self-esteem is at least two po- points lower now. So we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> I may cause you depression this evening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't get the razors out. This is one of the advantages of doing it over webcam rather than like you know over video, over phone, or. You can yeah. you can see the live sadness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I can't. I don't have any experience. I've been stable my whole life, so I'm, I'll just be quiet of on course, this one. Of course, <laughs> happy as Larry. <laughs> Ooh, almost uh, got through that. Right. Okay. So this is a biggie. You you come with absolute cataclysmic ones. You like every time. It's just like, I mean, I think it's my personality. I th- I think I kind of. It's I think it's part probably part of the reason why I don't have that many friends because when <laughs> when I'm in social situations I quite like discussing big concepts I don't really enjoy you know the sort of small to medium sized topics of conversation that people generally do to build trust and companionship and sort of knowledge of each other they bore the shit out of me the majority of the time so I'm yeah. just like how are people feeling about the you know oh I found out the other day that rhinos are now extinct. Let's talk about that. And no, I'm no the one... same, yeah. Small talk and everything like that. If anybody asks me how the weather is, I just want to bazooka them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird, weird place to be. But I mean, All right, well, it... how are you going to steer me through this well, storm? Fucking carefully. <laughs> I think, I think, I, th- I mean, ultimately, this, I mean, the, top, yeah, the topic was, I've decided it's mental health. But actually, the original sort of underlying topic, or if there was a kind of subtopic, and the reason why I changed it to mental health is because I felt like the initial topic wasn't expansive enough. The last couple of weeks, I've started doing a mindfulness practice. I've got a book that I bought when I did my first degree, Mindfulness, a Practical Guide to Finding Peace in a Frantic World. For some unknown reason, when I was doing my undergrad, I was uh, unwilling to engage but I struggled to engage and might have had something to do with the fact that I was quite intent on killing myself obviously that plan completely failed and I still have the book so I started reading it <laughs> yeah I think it's one of them isn't it mindfulness with uh it's always been something I've wanted to explore but uh I'm probably the same where I you think you have to be ready for it maybe and you have mm. to be like in the place mentally weirdly. Even though it would help your mental health, obviously, or that's the idea. You actually need to be in some sort of a mental space to actually commit to it, isn't it? You know, it's po- it's pointless going into something like that half-assed. Yeah. But I think the whole simple concept of it, you know, living in now is that is the way, isn't it? That's what, yeah. like, yeah. kids, like you say, oh, well, my kids, like, they, that's all they think about is, like, now, and they're really happy most of the time, obviously, yeah. unless they can't get the last ball teaser then it's you know the end of the universe but you know i mean gen- generally and it just mixes and, and everything uh you know everyone is worried about the past or what's coming up but yeah yeah i'd, I'd, I'd agree it i is, think that yeah. it is is about sort of choosing your moment and i think that because it's not something that's really that i guess common in our society it's certainly not something that was brought up with me at school we don't really grow up with it and a lot of people don't really know about it it tends to still be the preserve of hippies so you know the the mass appeal of it i don't think it's as there as much as it possibly could be it tends to be people who are already into psychology or already into sort of self-help or you know other other kind of associated pursuits but i i genuinely think it. i mean i'm not a very religious but well i'm not religious i'm not a very spiritual person but I find that it's so far, it's really benefiting me. And I think that that's, that's kind of what I wanted to discuss is kind of how much we can alter our perception of 
not just the everyday, but how our everyday interacts with the big topics of sadness. So the kind of things that we've covered over the last few weeks, yeah. a lot of them have really, really dark um, sides to them, as well as obviously really light sides. If you were to just sit with the darkness without some resilience or without some kind of self-awareness, I think it'd be really easy to just jump off the bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's, yeah. When big, big question. When did you first start to feel like your mental health was an issue for you, or it was different to other people that you knew? That's easy. Birth. <laughs> No, <laughs> mother, mother, please return me. I don't yeah. want to be here. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? This this question is quite, it's quite, uh, you know, like I would say, if you're going for some sort of like an official diagnosis, you you're looking at eighteen, nineteen, no, no, uh, older than that, um, twenty, twenty-one, on, on kind of a um. A diagnosis. However, it was clear to me, it's weird now looking back at it all, it's clear to me that growing up, certainly looking back, you could see now, oh, yeah, I was depressed. You know, like <laughs> yeah. literally yeah. for years, you think back to like, you know, primary school, secondary school, and just like, yeah, yeah. It, like carrying this fucking massive bag of sadness inside of you every yeah. every and i just thought like oh just no i will act in this bit i'll <laughs> do i'll play here and i'll do this i just like got through it and then yeah. just like eventually of course it all just kind of exploded and it, it, it's only then mate says oh actually that's not normal you know it's all a bit like uh cliche yeah. like, no, but i look back you know it was so, all i, but I it, didn't generally realize... like that I didn't realise you actually had a diagnosis then. So in your early 20s? Yeah, yeah. So I think it was early 20s because basically my story was that I, I basically had a breakdown, I suppose, in, uh, in, in many cases where I the trigger for it really was having a, a too senior job too soon. So basically when I was like 21, I had like this really senior management role. Which I shouldn't really have. I've gotten, and I didn't really expect to get. But the company that <laughs> hired me were a bit desperate. And I think they got me in. I remember they asked me to come in for a chat. Basically, that's literally what they said. But it, I was actually an interview, Wait, uh, so I, I did no prep or anything. But I, I got the job. But it was too much for me. And I okay. think that you know, you've been through university. I got it very quickly after university, about six months after university, very little experience. Uh, and I think that was the trigger for me, basically, to like just have like a breakdown, where yeah. it just ended up in me having a panic attack, where obviously you think that you're gonna die, um, uh, and just kind of snowballed from there. And I, I had a lot of therapy over that point, where the doctor kind of, you know, just never really told you either. He'd like give you like a questionnaire, like I'll fill this in, you know, mm. just fill this yeah. in. Oh. You've scored 14, it means X, which is bullshit, by the way. <laughs> I understand you need a measure, but you would clearly could doctor that, you know, on a scale of one to ten. How much thought, how many times have you thought about killing yourself in the last day? Well, it's only ten times I've walked into this fucking surgery. <laughs> so, you know, you could actually, you know, doctor that a little bit. So, so it was only at that point when I had like a referral into like having a, to a counselor and we kind of discussed uh, a few things. Did you have how, to leave your job? Yes, so it was weird. I remember during that counselling point, uh, we were exploring the reasons uh, that I was feeling the way that I am. But it was too simplistic, really, at a time where the therapist was clearly, I feel, trying to uh, nudge me to make me realise the job is making you feel like this, which is true because it was the trigger and it was a great source of stress, which basically then... Man, yes, they were basically nudging me that you need to get another job, basically. Yeah, so yeah. I quit that job, not having another job. Uh, and unfortunately, that caused me to go like, to a really dark downward spiral from then. Because, of course, in my unhealthy brain, I was a failure. I yeah, can't yeah, hold down yeah. a job. Oh, my God, I've gone through university. I've qualified to do this. My first job, I can't last. And it just fucking snowballed. 
So that counselling was not good enough for me. Um, that experience scared me a little bit from counselling because you open yourself up anyway. And I feel that that counsellor kind of certainly was trying to show me, you know, this job here, moving from here would solve it, when actually there was all sorts of this shit behind me that yeah, actually yeah. needed solving. And I think you touched upon it, things like having tools about yeah. how to develop. So it's basically, I feel from that point, basically I fell right down to the gutter. I remember, you know, just like physical health went as well, mental health, you know, suicidal, you know, moments of crisis teams. It literally went like right to the absolute bottom. And then, um, but yeah, so since then, basically, I've I've never had any counselling from them because I think it probably scared me a little bit at that point. Mm. And I've just like slowly, so slowly, just like rebuilt myself up, really, and just learned tools like you say, uh, and realize, like you say, that resilience is probably the number one thing you need to survive. Not necessarily do well, but to like yeah. survive in this society, really. And it was generally through reading books, uh, taking good points from this, that, and the other, doing your own kind of research. Uh, I got coping mechanisms to the point today where I think what I can cope with without having some sort of a breakdown is is vast. Uh, to what I could do then, but I am yeah. still in no way, you know, well. I don't yeah. think so. You know, yeah, just yeah. because all that other old shit has not really been. When I say old shit, I don't even know what it is. You know, yeah. I, you always have that kind of thing. You think, oh, you're just wired differently. You know, are you just wired differently? And you know, everybody thinks the same. And there's good points as well to having a bit of a depressive brain. I think, I think you're more creative, and I yeah. think you're more. Uh, you know, introspective, so that there are certain positives to it as well. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just want fucking stability. To be, to be totally frank with you, but again, you know, doing podcasts like this, we have to also realise that the economic system that we live in is contributing to the vast majority. Of, you know, think about this: one in four people are depressed. One yeah. in four people. <laughs> if that was anything else, so for example, uh, all right. One in four people who drink lager will die, or something like that. <laughs> like, lager will be taken off the shelves immediately. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah. will have severe bloating if you eat burgers. One in four of you, they would stop selling burgers tomorrow. But what yeah. do we do? Because it's the economic system, and some people get rich. <laughs> Drug them all, guys. Drug them all. Send them into this room here, or just like we'll train people up with uh, some qualifications. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to, to to kind of try and look after them and not fund yeah. it properly. We've discussed that before. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's kind of my story in a, in a <laughs> nutshell. In, uh, in, if in a broken possible. macadamia. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, uh, like trying to glue. glue is, I'm just like I'm. I'm a broken vase, and I've like glued myself together. If you look from like a distance, <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm pretty sure that's a vase. <laughs> but don't get too close. <laughs> up close it's like a combination of paper mache yeah <laughs> like smashed pottery <laughs> yeah, it's basically like, yeah it'll do it'll, yeah, <laughs> flowers in it pretend it's not there it's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah no 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 I mean, when was the first time you realised you were absolutely fucked I'm only joking when do you realise think... that there was a problem mentally well, I mean, well, not necessarily a problem that you were different. I shouldn't probably say that problem's bad, is it? I mean, it is bad, but so is I. I am a problem. <laughs> what is it? No, you're not. I am the problem. Um, no, I was I was trying to misquote Breaking Bad, but I failed. Um, I am the danger. That one wasn't it. I am the danger. Um, I yeah, looked no, that the other day. You might want to edit this out. I don't know, but on YouTube the other day there was a blooper from that scene. Oh, yeah. We well, you know it was one of the most like you know really like oh Jesus scenes wasn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was a blooper from it where like Brian Cranston when he turns round he just goes <laughs> he starts laughing like that. It was so funny thinking oh that was the most like one of those like <laughs> serious bits serious like it changes when he basically admits to Skyler like you know yeah, yeah and they yeah, just yeah. they were laughing through it so. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I will edit out, but yeah, that's funny as fuck. Um, I love that series anyway. Um, I need to watch Better Call Saul at some point. Right. Okay. 
my my experience of mental health is I think a little bit different um I got help earlier and I realized there was an issue earlier um I think my kind of first experience of mental health per se of sort of sort of a, a point in time that I can identify as being unusual is I remember on holiday in France exactly how old it was that's such a good way of putting it by the way i tried to hold in the laugh and i couldn't i'm feeling unusual i thought you were giggling about the fact that i said i was on holiday in france because it just sounds so middle class we were, no. we were, we were on the dodoing <laughs> so I, was, I was in the grapevine and it's feeling a bit iffy <laughs> i was i was having a bit of brie <laughs> No, like I basically went on went on holiday. I'd seen the Truman Show a while before, and I'd also like an aunt and uncle of mine had given me like a philosophy book and like for kids. And one of the things in the philosophy book was talking about how all of this was a simulation, and there were various kind of schools of thought that just thought, "Yep, okay, it's a simulation," and the kind of thought experiments that people used to devise around that. And then obviously the Truman Show is a show about a guy who his entire life is a tv show and he doesn't realize it and then during the course of the film he realizes it and it's about his relationship with that realization and when i was like i think we were just cycling along the side of the road and i was a very unconfident cyclist and the road was sufficiently busy that i felt really anxious and i was having these thoughts so on the, by the side of the road i just started have, having a bit of a what i would now describe as a panic attack and I couldn't really talk to my parents about what was going on because yeah. they weren't really my parents. And so the whole thing was just a bit of a head fuck. How bad um, the panic attacks, by the way. I just like fucking unbelievable. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily, I, I'm not even certain that, that 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 one was. I know that they are really awful because I've had ex-girlfriends who've had them. And they're like, you know, really, really bad. And I myself, I've had like quite severe chest pain from anxiety, but I wouldn't describe it as a, like, it's more anxiety than panic attacks, if you know what okay. I mean. Okay, yeah. But like with this, like, that was kind of an unusual point in time. But then the other flip side of things is when, I think I was about 16, and I started self-harming. And... Self, I think I only, I only self-harmed once before I started to get help. Like, I literally, like, I won't kind of go into detail over what it was about, but essentially one night I decided to cut myself, and then I decided to go and check myself off Manor Bridge. Completely failed. Walked down to, like, you know, basically up, like, the road onto where you go down towards Manor Bridge, walked the opposite way and just, like, isolated myself for a while. Ideal. And then... Came back home, um, having not done it, and obviously parents freaking out. Mum dragged me into the GP the next day. What did you tell them at that point that that's what you would try to do, or how did they? Or did they just figure? No, I didn't. I couldn't really communicate, and I didn't really want to communicate. I basically yeah. sort of they asked me questions, and I nodded or shook my head. I mean, I didn't even really nod or shake my head. I just like it was kind of, do you need help? Nod like other questions i just wouldn't respond so yeah. went to the gp played like nickelback full volume on the way there it, it made me feel very like or is it on the way on no on the way back either way i was just like not wanting to be there i'd written yeah. like a long long letter to the gp the night before because i wanted to be able to just like give it to them and then leave i didn't yeah. want to have to like engage or talk to anyone oh, um, yeah. and then GP saw me, had like a 10, 15 minute chat with them and with How my mum they? they were great. They're really good. Um, so important there because that at that point there, that can go one of two ways, just depending on how a 10 minute consultation goes. And I think millions of people get a bad experience there. Yeah, no, for sure, you know? for sure. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm good. I'm pleased that we're out. Okay, I think on. I mean I I wouldn't say they were like particularly I can't remember thinking oh my god they're amazing but there wasn't anything that they said where I was like 
oh god i feel uncomfortable i already felt really uncomfortable they definitely didn't add to it at all yeah um and they you know basically they asked me to show myself harm so i did and my mum was obviously like freaking out and crying and stuff and they agreed to oh, make that a... doesn't help either does it i know it's like a normal oh, situation <laughs> i know it's a normal situation a normal reaction for her to think that you've injured yourself but for fuck's sake, please pretend for 10 minutes if you ever need somebody to not be genuine. It's at yeah, that yeah, point, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Really? Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like, it makes you feel, it makes it so much worse when you've got someone getting upset on your behalf. It's just yeah. like, hold your own fucking emotions in. I'm having a moment. <laughs> yeah, I know. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, that that was that was all right. They, they basically... They discussed with my mum the history of mental health in the family. And waiting lists are obviously vastly different now to how they were when I was a kid. But I got referred and I think it was within, I think I could have had an appointment within a couple of months. But because we were on holiday, I wasn't available. And therefore, it was like six months later that I had an assessment in CAMS. And I went in like dressed for the nines, dressed in fucking goth gear, like with my hair dyed um, and feeling sort of deeply uncomfortable. And um, so I, I had the assessment, got seen by a psychologist for about, felt like a year, but it was probably more like six months. And then she decided that I needed to further help. So she referred me to what was what would be called a dialectical behavioral therapy group, which is essentially it was intended for adolescents who were self-harming and it was intended to build up a little toolbox for them and build up a range of skills for them and it was it was fantastic it it changed my life it was you know the the people that were working in that group um and the the people that i met through the group were just really helpful and supportive and it was very full-on and i self-harmed more then than i ever had before as in during that, that that group that yeah 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 i think i'd self-harmed like maybe once maybe one one two or three times before and then basically had an agreement with the psychologist that i wasn't going to self-harm at all anymore and i don't know this rebelliousness or just feeling trapped but i do it a lot more um yeah. like not not loads more like i think i self-harmed like 10 times or something um but yeah, obviously, like had that experience, and then I think I had some mind afterwards, and then no, sorry, that was after my what had some college counselling, went to uni, had more therapy. I've seen a shitload of different therapists over you know a number of years, but for about six years now, maybe a bit longer, I felt like I've really kind of come to a point in my life where. The depression is no longer a significant issue. Great. Um, I, I, I'm not one of these that kind of identifies it as a life-term, long-term issue. I don't, I don't agree. I mean, obviously, some people are wired differently, whatever that means. But I don't think that for myself, I'm wired differently. Um, I think deeply about things, and I, you know, I, I can sometimes be pessimistic, but my personality is very very optimistic like even when i discuss like really bad things my tendency is always to find a silver lining on it yeah yeah that's um, your tool that you've learned in your brain yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, massively but i think yeah. i think it kind of like i'm not sure whether it was because of those first experiences at cams or whether it's just something inherently in me one of the things that my like conversation that I had with the first psychologist was like, I basically told them that I wanted to just fix everything and get rid of this aspect of me. And they explained that I couldn't do that and it wasn't that simple. But through the talking with them, I realized I'm not, I'm not going to be so crass as to say depression is a choice. But reality is entirely based on perception and you can alter your perception so it makes a lot of sense that if you do the things that are going to alter your perception in a positive way and make yourself more resilient everything is going to improve and so i've just done that a shitload um, yeah yeah 
with you know varying levels of success but i've experienced a lot of pressures over the last year and feeling pretty good so you know it's it's working (laughs) yeah no perception is a massive one isn't it and uh you know your your brain is a processing plant isn't it at the end of the day it's only got the ears the the, I said he's there. <laughs> the as other point, organs. Yeah, pointed to my bloody eye. Shows you where my head's at. <laughs> it's only got the eyes the and the ears to get the, the information in. That's all it's got. And then it goes into your brain, and then it just like creates a product, a thought, and then you can choose what to do with that. And exactly. you know, you can change. I think the product it does, or you could just like, and right at the beginning, what probably helped me was realizing that those thoughts aren't true you know they they are just created by your brain and you literally can't you just choose to throw it out of your fucking head you know I mean, there was this one good book i read where it's just like that you grab that thought just like, you throw it out because it does yeah. not exist or like you say you challenge your thought so if you're there and your thoughts are going and i know it's really tough because it's it's like the most natural thing in the world for your thoughts to go but it's to argue with yourself isn't it like oh what if they're for this but what if that happens it sounds fucking simple and ridiculous, but it is actually very effective. But it is diff- it's very simple to say change your perception. It's hard to do, of course. You know, it, it's hard to it's hard to do if it's unstructured. It's the same as mindfulness. I think when I first when I was doing my degree and I got given an opportunity to do it, we were sort of we were obviously told, "Oh yeah, go do this," but I didn't do it. Whereas in the last couple of weeks with this book you have like two mindfulness practices to do every single day yeah. and i've got like this on soundcloud you can get the recording for free and i've and there's a cd with the book and i've just been going on and doing it and it's like it just completely changes it it's like you don't have to do it yourself and it's the same with the dbt group the dbt group was set up as a game where basically every single week you'd get the opportunity to get um, raffle raffle prizes. And you'd get raffle prizes depending upon how many times you'd use the skills or like you'd give an example, you'd tell the group how you'd use the skill during the last week. And then they'd give you a raffle ticket. And then at the end, you'd, you know, you'd have a chance of getting a raffle prize. And so, and every single week we'd be taught a new skill. And it was like, it was, so I learned a lot of that through that really structured guided process yeah i think if you're just being kind of told say you're just handed a book and you're just expected to get on with it yourself you have to have a certain baseline level of stability to be able to engage with that if you're if some randomer just says oh cheer up mate it'll be all right you know look at it this way i'm happy if you're in a shit place that's never going to help it's it's a the level of support to make that jump from perceiving a negative situation as wholly negative to perceiving a negative situation as, oh, there's actually a bit of shimmer in there. I can actually see ways out or I can see ways that I can reframe this as positive. Yeah. You, you're not going to be able to do it if you're in the pits of depression unless you have higher levels of support, which is, you know, part of the reason why we've got, such a high suicide rate in well in people generally but particularly in in men of a certain age i'm pretty sure we fall slap bang in the in the middle of that bracket (laughs) yeah definitely definitely and you touched on something there as well where you know you you could be in a good place and you've learned all these skills and you've worked really hard to do it but you don't necessarily do anything wrong and you can fall back of course and that always happens to me uh you know still to this day you know, if you're generally well, maybe that moment where you're, oh shit, you know, I'm not well or whatever, mm. I've regressed can happen, you know, probably a couple, two or three times a year for me, I'll have a moment and, and, and those moments can vary from a few days to sometimes, you know, a good bloody good couple of weeks. Yeah. And it is so insidious, that fucking bit when it happens, where you literally go for a bit back to square one. Yeah. And you can literally yeah, yeah. forget it, and you've just touched it. But like when you when you are there, even the the thought of changing your perceptions is it's not computable to that brain. It's yeah. just a horrible thing. Yeah. And then, of course, also when you're well, and you've had a really good period of wellness through six months, you almost forget. Was I? 
was I depressed? You, it's this, it's just like this insane it's thing, isn't it? You have to obviously get the strength from that because obviously when you're depressing, Jesus, yeah, you know, I did think that one yeah. day. But certainly, yeah. if you're having that very first episode where you don't have that knowledge, yeah. you don't even really know anything much about mental health, you mental health, and you just find yourself there through some sort of a trigger, maybe something similar to me. Obviously, we don't lose jobs, relationships, and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of a more trigger. Sure. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough, and you know, I know of a lot of people locally, a lot of people used to be in school for me. Just you know that that have unfortunately committed suicide, and the, num- the numbers are quite scary. Yeah, you know, it's not like you know twenty five people in my school. It is obviously low numbers, but it's still a lot. You know, yeah, and obviously one's sure. too many, and 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 the, the really troubling ones are the ones who nobody has an idea and they've just gone off and done it and yeah. but unfortunately yeah, exactly. as a depressed if you've had depression right or if you feel this the same you can understand why they've done it though do you do you feel yeah. that's something? obviously oh you, yeah, yeah you, no no definitely, definitely you know you're just like oh yeah i totally i totally yeah. get it i'm not normalizing it or saying they've done the right thing and then you you'll you'll have these people who've never been fucking depressed and the people tell you you know come on you know you've got a good job or you know yeah. whatever yeah, soundbite yeah. they're just incredulous about it and you're just there thinking no nah, no nah, I, I can i can see why he's done it because you I know think, all this. i think i think we've got like an uncomfortable relationship with death full stop like if you look at i mean i know this is slightly off topic but if you look at the recent news around archie um you know this young boy who's um, yeah died on saturday yeah, um horrible yeah it's pretty awful and i think that you know that that not so much his specific situation, but that kind of concept generally and the relationship between the courts and politicians and the public and the family in terms of how we relate to p- people's lives ending. And obviously, a, a child is a bit of an exception, but say someone with a terminal illness or, you know, incredible pain or whatever, and how we value life, whether it's, you know, 10 people dying in a car crash or, 10 people dying because they couldn't afford food because their benefits have been sanctioned. Um, you know, we, we've got kind of oh, 10 millionaires dying in a co-fueled orgy. There's different sort of scales <laughs> of death. Was was the person who died white or were they black? Like, it, it's those kind of like, we as a society. It's like a, how much do I care index? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I think like with suicide, because we're still a kind of small C Christian nation, there's still that historical kind of guilt of and and stigma around depression and suicide and mental health. But when my uncle died, um, I always forget how long ago it is, but it's about two years. It's probably coming up two years. How did he die? Hung himself. Oh, Um, he, He put a belt around the bathroom door in a flat he'd moved into about a week beforehand and like sat down on the floor and died um i think he was off his face on drugs at the time um but he'd been unhappy for a long long time um and so yeah i mean with if we had a better funder than nhs and he'd got better support at the time from the state services he probably could have been alive. Like he certainly had enough to live for. And I didn't know him particularly well, but from people that, from people in my family who did know him better, said that, you know, he was a positive guy. He did have a lot going for him. Yeah. But he was really kind of ground down by his own behavior and also by the lack of support around him and by his struggles with his, I mean, it wasn't just depression. It was kind of issues with psychosis and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are obviously people on the kind of, shall we say, fringes who maybe have more extreme struggles and maybe need, you know, high levels of support. I guess what I'm saying is that the the amount, the the frequency of suicide that we have within society is almost directly related to the level of funding that we put into mental health services and the level of like public health campaigns that we have around those issues, so that people can get low level support from the communities around them as well as the statutory support when they need it from the nhs um and i think you know a part of that should be mindfulness for every school child across the board in every single school 
because it just makes sense. Because if you like, don't, sorry, go on. No, no, sorry, I don't want to stop your flow again. I feel well, like I'm always doing it. No, 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 don't apologize. Um, I think that well, the the concluding thing I was going to say on that bit is that I feel that you've really had to work hard for the skills that you've developed, and it's not been sort of it's been through personal development. It's not been through any intensive therapy in the way that it was for me. I was essentially taught how to be happy. You had to carve out a niche for yourself to get to that yeah, point. Yeah, that is accurate. Yeah. And I think that if you, from an early age, regardless of whether you'd been kind of identified or tested as someone who had a tendency to depression, but for literally everyone, every single boy and girl in that classroom sat down and was like, okay, right, guys, we're going to talk about, sorry, I'm going to rewrite that bit. So for every single person in that classroom, that they were given a mindful, you know, every single day in the morning, everyone does a mindfulness practice session just as a part of school. And I'm not saying it's the panacea, but for a fuck of a lot of people, it's going to be enough that they have enough self-awareness that when shit comes along, because it will do, we have current economic system, we have, you know, fucking relationship breakup, house moving, we have jobs, we have all the fucking shit under the sun, poverty, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's going to be a heck of a lot easier if you realise that those thoughts chipping away at you going, you're shit, you're fat, you don't deserve this, you should die now, you should go kill yourself, no one loves you. If you re- realise they were just thoughts and you're able to pull yourself back and have a bit more self-awareness, yeah, yeah. you're a lot less likely to pick up that belt and hang yourself. Yeah, you see, I... I think that should come from the parents, really. I mean, I know that's, you know, I know, I know, I, but I think it's. I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It, it pisses me off a little bit. And this is not directed at you. It pisses me off a little bit every time where things are fucked in society, and everyone says we should teach it in schools, because mm. every that's what every politician says. That's what every fucking think tank says. You just can't do it, and I think. I think I think that should be something uh, that that it, 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 that is done from the parents, and it's and it's absolutely on them. I mean, literally, that's the. I've I'm already trying to like plan what I'm going to kind of tell my kids, you know, from like when things are not okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand not a lot of people are, you know, a lot of parents maybe have had the experience either, but yeah, I, I, I'm not really doing making a point here, but I just feel like that 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 is an onus of you as a parent, I think. Uh, to, I see my job as a parent if I'm just looking at it as like a job, which is obviously incorrect. You know, to to build resilience in my children, give them the tools, like everything that you've said. And I think you picked that. That's a big thing there that you've you've had fantastically there, a very good experience, mm. which is brilliant and and exactly what is needed across the board. Because I think it can be dangerous when you go for the type of therapy. Which is like you're just exploring, you're going through all these thoughts and all this, you're chatting. I think it can actually make stuff worse. You know, go back to your childhood, discuss things that you might not even be aware of, uh, you know, that might have affected you. And think, oh, Jesus, so that it changes your relationship with that person without actually giving you any tools. It just lets you know this is probably what you're feeling, which again probably goes back to the point where I'm reticent of, of exploring that, to be honest. Because it's, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. got myself to a place where I manage. Could I be better? Yes, definitely. But I think there's a worry of and doing that by having a, I should say, probably another not so good experience. But I think you're right. Tools are the way to go. Coping think, mechanisms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll wrap up soon. But I think there's two things there that I wanted to bring out of what you just said. I think one was parental responsibility, and I'd agree broadly that in an ideal world it would be i mean it is a parent's responsibility i'm not going to get away from that but i think that given the significant issues with individuals trauma being passed on to further generations and for the for the obvious issues of you know even in counseling you don't give counseling to your friends or to your partner or whatever or your children because of the issues of transference etc you you give it one step removed 
I think that it could be supported by parents and certainly if parents were involved, that would be fucking great. But because we have children from really very backgrounds, we have some children whose parents are really head screwed on, really well resourced, like really compassionate people. And then we also have parents who are just about holding it together and themselves struggling with various addictions or various other kind of issues or or maybe you're just kind of workaholics and are just arseholes but whatever like their background is whether they're there for their kids or not this kind of issue of providing good mental health tool-based support to kids from an early age is too important to leave it up to individual parents it needs to be something that's standardised because we'll see the most societal benefit. If if every kid grows up with a bit more self-awareness, it's going to help in every single yeah, way. Yeah, it's something in the middle, form. isn't it? As usual, there needs to be some sort of a, of, of a thing there, really. No, for it, sure. Um, it, it was weird. I just wanted to get you, you mentioned before we started this, they wanted something Welsh in, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got something. Hey. I've got something, and it's really good, and it's relevant to this, and it's the Welsh word I'm not going to give you. It's not even a Welsh word. What? <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> but basically, it's so interesting. So you mentioned that, you know, things about, about kids. So I don't think there's anything like this, like an English version, but obviously there's a, uh, for Welsh kids, youngsters, there's a there's a show every morning called Q. Okay. Uh, C-Y-W on S4C, which means chick in Welsh, is the main character basically within it. The Welsh Iggle Piggle, if you will, uh, <laughs> just get just a minute. And uh, there's a show teaching kids about mindfulness in Welsh. What? Yeah. And the name of it, you're going to need me to spell it. It's not, it's it's a noise really more than, don't say that all Welsh words like that, otherwise it will hit you virtually. <laughs> but basically the name of the show, which you need to check out, is Shushasuin. It's called. I think that the it's it's not a word, but the idea of it is you know shush and and be quiet or you know quietness basically. So if you if you Google that shush oh. asuin, um, do believe that I've or you know you'll you'll oh, you'll be impressed. I I had it as three words, but I actually got the spelling entirely correct. So be oh, very I'm proud, proud of me, man. Good. <laughs> So no, just, just, just you can watch a clip of it, and it's interesting. Is it's like they re, it's it's teaching them that about the busyness of life, and then uh, in a cartoon form, and then there's like a little house in there, and they go into the house, and they go into like a room, and they just like ring a bell, and they just be quiet for a while. So it teaches them about mindfulness. Awesome. So yes, the Welsh, cool. yes, the Welsh, cool. up the Cymraeg. Uh, Should we go um, final four? Yeah, final thought sounds great. Final thought, final this thought. is on me this week. And do you know what? I'm going to bring back, Dan, do you remember when I had an idea that was going to help people with mental health? And I still oh, yeah. think it's yeah, the yeah, answer. Yeah. Yeah. I still think yeah, it's yeah. the answer, right? When we need something, you know, obviously, let's be honest, what we need, reorganisation of society, wait till it all crumbles, redevelop, build it up, back, you know, build back better. I almost <laughs> yes. fucking said that. Fucking <laughs> Jesus. Kill me now. <laughs> Um, but obviously we're not going to get wholesale uh, change. Is we, we need something in the middle where, uh, you know, some a person could go to like a refuge if they're just struggling with everyday life and find a way of normalising it. And it's not therapy. It's just, do you remember what we call it? I think I've written it down. It was chill rooms. Yes, chill rooms. The, the chill, chill rooms, rooms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like the idea of the chill rooms is there's just like this, it's a charity you go into the place and it's literally like, you know, a home, quite a large home. You go in, there's a big living room, the kitchen, you can go in there and basically just be booking in a front desk and there's always somebody in one of the rooms. They're not a therapist. They could be just like a trained volunteer or whatever and they're just there to listen. So in a way, I suppose it's fairly similar to like a face-to-face Samaritans, I suppose. Yeah. In some yeah, sense. Yeah. But it's just like a safe place. You know, when you're feeling stressed, you think, oh, just go in there. Yeah. yeah you don't yeah, even have to go yeah, and speak yeah. to anyone. You just chill there. The yeah. chill room as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just yeah. having something that anyway, because I remember like, sometimes I don't know if you felt the same, but like when you were right down there in the bottom of the gutter, you mm. were actually thinking, I need to go to hospital. You you actually felt sometimes I could do with going to hospital just for like a just for, like six weeks. Yeah. And just like yeah, yeah. totally just like and then come back. But yeah. of course, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not gonna do that without like basically doing some serious shit. So I think there needs to be somewhere 
in the middle there just to stop people getting too serious uh, where then they will probably get the help, but, you know, there's been some drastic damage made and also something a bit lighter so people don't think, oh, you know, he's having fighting the, the, the stigma with around therapy and all that. Just something yeah. in the middle there that doesn't put more pressure on the NHS. Um, yeah, so just, I just think that, that would make a difference, man. A pressure valve. A little, yeah, a, yeah, a little winter. Yeah, yeah, and as far as I'm aware, there's not really uh, kind of anything on offer like that, except as I say, the Samaritans. But you know, the Samaritans is generally linked to people obviously who are suicidal. I know that's not what a lot of people use it for, and I think it probably still it stops people from using it because they think they need to be worse. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, but. I, I've always had that feeling where sometimes I could do to speak to somebody, but I thought, like, I'm not, like, serious enough to phone Samaritans, even though I know they're clear that you can. Yeah. I just feel like that is, again, if other people feel like me, which, again, they might not, I don't know. I think they chill, do. Room, chill Rooms UK, mate. Chill Rooms UK. I give... I'm not going to sue anyone if anybody wants to take that idea. It'd be a fucking amazing <laughs> thing if we can get it done. I think I think having something really low level would definitely help society for sure. It, it would, wouldn't it? How's that? How's that for a finish? I think That's it's positive. Isn't it? Is that positive? It's positive. It's positive. That's a fucking positive. I, think, man. I mean, the the thing that we do have to remember though is, you know, despite all of our optimism, yeah, still hard. Fuck, man. But hey, no, we're resilient actually, and uh, we've done well to get where we are. I'll, Only another I'll fifty edit. or so years out left, mate. Thank fuck. I'll I'll edit that last bit out. We are not we are not resilient. We're we're all collapsing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, take care, Derek. Fair enough. Thank you, mate. Good night. Speak to you soon. Goodbye.